Welcome to episode 47 of the City SC Report. My name is Steve, and joining me is my friend Joe. Hi, Joe. Hey. I'm so happy to have a guest with us today. We've been talking about having him on since October, and he's finally here. You may know him from stlsoccernews.com, as well as all the socials, our friend Chris Gephardt. Hi, Chris. How's it going, fellas? Welcome. Hey, yeah. Glad Thank you're, you. Glad you're here. Thanks for having yeah, me. Glad you're here. So, Chris... Before we get going on talking about the matches and doing a preview of the next two city games, why don't you fill in the listeners on what you do with STL Soccer News and what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, so like I said, first off, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a fan of, of City SC Report and have been uh, for a while, and, and it's, uh, I'm super, super psyched to be here. So uh, yeah, the website, really what it is, is a way for uh, people to find information on soccer in St. Louis. Um, it started, or I started it last summer, um, in trying to find as much content on city specifically originally, um, as I could, um, and just kind of for my own personal edification. Um, I'm a content junkie, as I've said in the past, and I like listening to podcasts and especially at work, I like to have stuff on. So, um, yeah, it was really just about sticking some, you know, putting, creating a list somewhere and, and having, as many podcasts as I could find because I knew there was a bunch out there. I just couldn't find them all or find them easily. Um, and then I said, you know, why don't I just kind of release this out in the wild? And if it's useful for somebody else who has the same problem, because there's probably other people who are like me having trouble finding everything, um, and connecting to everybody who's creating content. So, um, and once I did that, it just kind of took off and, and people would recommend, well, you know, if you're going to have podcasts, why not have YouTubers? And if you're going to cover city, why not have, city too and and then colleges and high schools and it just turned into um why not just put links to everything um everyone's ability to find things on the internet is different you know you have young fans you have older fans um people have different levels of of skill with google or searching for stuff and if i could just you know turn it into a resource for people um that was originally the intent um and then from there it kind of turned into well if i'm you know doing that and and connecting people to podcasts like you guys and YouTube channels and people who are creating content, why not then also try to help promote those people? Because I'm fans. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan just like anyone else of the team and obviously of the content creators. So if there's things I can do to help get ears and eyes on people's content that they're actually putting in the time and effort to do, then that's great. Um, and so that that's really what the intention was. And then it's just kind of grown from there. So. Well, yeah, I mean, as much as I love our podcast, um, there are a lot of podcasts out there, and I have trouble keeping track of them. Even some of the ones where we know the the other podcasters, where these are people who we talk to yeah. at games, yeah. it's still, you start to to have trouble remembering which is which, and like, wait a minute, they, th- those are the guys from that one. Um, yeah. You know, those yeah. are the people from that co- podcast. Uh, and you, I think you have the one place that actually links to a to, to everything. Yeah. All of them that I know of, um, are there as far as the city ones. Um, and then just kind of, um, including, you know, guys here in St. Louis who like the Mecca of banner guys, um, who don't cover city exclusively They're you know, their focus is more on like, uh, European leagues, but they're from here. They still talk city. Why not, you know, throw them on there. Why not yeah, throw, sure. you know, and, and then also, you know, as I've kind of gotten interested in, in not just the views of, city fans and and on internal stuff why not throw podcasts that i personally like that cover the league as a whole and 
or you know cover the European game or the South American game. So um, yeah, I, you know, it's uh, I'm never claiming it's going to be a, an all inclusive thing for everybody, and and it's going to have every link to every podcast ever because that's impossible. Sure. There's just too much content out there. But if I can provide as many easy to get to resources for city fans and St. Louis soccer fans, then uh, that's great. And, you know, that was really kind of the intention of it, but it's also turned into uh, a mechanism to do some other things. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the charity thing that I'm doing Mm -hmm. this year. And, and, and also the other thing that I always try to mention and always try to reference is that that website is, is specifically, or would never have existed rather um, without Steve Olson. And I don't know if you guys knew mm-hmm. Steve Olson, but, um, you know, he was the kind of original aggregator of content and, and, you know, uh, of soccer stuff here in St. Louis. And so, um, I didn't know Steve, I knew of him and I knew the contribution that he made and, and I do like to make sure I reference him. And so people who don't know him or didn't know him, you know, before he passed away, at least understand that, you know, this isn't some original idea I had. It was more of, Hey, you know, um, I'm sure Steve would do would be doing something, <laughs> you know, if he was still with us. Um, and it, it kind of turned into, well, you know, why not pay tribute to him and all the stuff that he did to connect people in the area to soccer. And, and so really, that's all it is. Um, it's not about me. I don't, you know, as you guys know, I don't write original content for it. Um, I don't, you know, write articles like you guys do on your website. And, and I don't do podcasts on my own. Like I'm, if, if you guys or somebody else is nice enough to ask me, I'm always happy to come talk soccer. Um, but yeah, it's more just about, um, you know, highlighting the people who are putting in the work like you guys do. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's a, a fantastic idea. I mean, you know, it, like Joe said, there's, there's so many different groups out there and so many sources for city news and discussions. And it's, uh, it, it's brilliant really. Um, I, I'm so glad that someone decided to do it and I'm glad it was you. Well, I appreciate it's... that, you know, and, and anytime I've talked to people who aren't from here uh, in the couple of times I've, I've been, you know, generously asked to come on and talk to some other pods and, and um, I always talk about how, you know, we have 20 city podcasts at this point um, wow. and, and they're blown away by that. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, well, you know, 20, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's, you know, in, in collating and especially one of the things I'm doing this year is trying to highlight um, before each city match, some of the content creators from the teams we're playing against. And so that's one of the things I added this year was like, hey, if you want to get the other team's perspective, because I like to, you know, um, I love listening to the City Podcast people uh, like you guys and everybody else, but you can only get so many different angles of the same thing. Um, I like seeing what the national opinion is of the team or what the other team's opinion is or their fan base. And so, um, you know, and, and so that's what I've tried to do this year and expand a little bit and say, Hey, you know, if you want to see what they're saying about us, you know, cause it's not going to be the same, um, even though all the different podcasts have their own angles and different things that they cover and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. So. Well, and a good example of that, I, I like reading post game stuff from, uh, from opposing cities. Sometimes that's fun to see, you know, what did they think about the game? I know yeah. what I thought about the game and I read, you know, what the guys from the post are saying the next morning. Um, so I tried to do that after the uh, midweek Houston game and the Champions Cup. Um, and the big newspaper in Houston, their website had zero articles the next day about the game from the night before. Um, their whole sports section, uh, a couple articles about the Rockets, which makes sense they're in season, um, and a lot of off-season Texans moves. What are the Texans doing to lead <laughs> up to the draft? Yeah. And not a single article, even just recapping the score from the night before, Um 
which was just mind-blowing. Like, I, I, I understand not every city is going to put soccer front and center. I've been happy the way the local news has stepped up since we finally got an MLS team because they definitely did not pay attention to lower league soccer. But Houston, to just have nothing on the newspaper's website, uh, you know, day after a, a tournament game is just, that, that's just wild. Wow. I lived there in 2005. And that's how it was back then. You'd think 19 years later that apparently that would have changed. A apparently, bit. nothing has changed. The Dynamo oh are still, you know, I, I fifth best uh, in a city with geez. four teams. And uh, I assume you're probably talking about the Chronicle. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I assumed, yeah. you know, like that's the paper there. They would yeah. at least have a recap. I like reading recaps from the other cities and seeing, yeah. you know, yeah, what did they think of our team? What who would, were they seeing the same things <laughs> I was? You know, from their outside looking in. One of the interesting things, um, and I was asked to do a, a podcast a couple weeks ago with a, a, a these guys that were doing a preview of, of every uh, team uh, before the season started. And one of the things I took away from that um, was the one one of the hosts made a comment of, you know, this is more than any other sports league in the country, a fan driven league. Um, it's never going to get the media coverage that the NFL does, MLB, NHL, NBA. It never will, and so that's why guys like you and, and other podcasters and YouTube and you know writers and content creators on the fan side are so important because you're the ones that are helping promote the game, helping push the game, helping spread the word about the game. Whereas you can't always rely on papers and you know national media coverage, you know because. Yes, are they going to pick it up more this year because of Messi being in Miami? Of course they will because it's a story. But if that's um, all you're, but if that's yes. all you're there for, you're not going to stick around. Correct, right. exactly. Right. That's a limited time thing, and you, so you hope that they, you hope that puts eyeballs on the league. They realize the quality of play overall. They yes. get interested, but yeah, that that's still it, you, you can't count on that. Yeah, it, so it's very much a fan driven league, and so that's why you know the the work that people put in, like you guys with the podcast. And, and the others that create content are so important because, you know, that's where we can go as regular fans um, to get more insight on the game, to get more analysis on the game. And, yes, we have some local radio stations here that do some really good work, but it's, you know, they have to fit it into what their schedules are, you know. And, and so they're working on a limited amount of time that they can devote to talking city and, and devote to talking soccer. And, and so... Um, yeah, I, I, that's why I think it's so important, and I'm trying to do whatever I can to spread the word and say, hey, you know, here's a bunch of people that are just like you, that are fans of the team, and these guys are putting in the time and effort to create content, and, you know, let's show them support, let's show them the love back, because they are the ones that are, you know, like you guys, are, are taking the time to do the work, and I think that's super important, and I think all it does is just help strengthen the the fan base and and our understanding of the game and analysis and and uh, yeah so that's why i'm trying to do everything i can to, to support you guys so that's great but yeah i mean we're we're super stoked to have you here we've heard you on flyover footy yeah. and we know you're super knowledgeable and bring a lot to the table that's so we're happy you're here but um can't wait to hear what you have to say <laughs> and i think the listeners will enjoy this as well so with that said, let's get into it. Let's let's we dive in. We actually have real games to talk have, about. Yes, we we do, have yeah. two games to talk about and two games on the horizon coming up this week. So, yep. so let's go. Offseason went fast, and we are already into two different competitions now. Yep. The uh, the funny thing is, um, and, and I don't know how knowledgeable I am more than anybody else. I don't claim to have any kind of insight. Um, my running joke is, is our um, when I get asked to do these things, my first response typically is, 
Um, was, was Matt Baker not available? Um, you know, our buddy that we know very well and, and Matt's awesome and, you know, he does everything and, and, and he's on every show. He's on yeah. every show. And, and then I'm like, he must've had something else booked because that's why you're asking me. We and, only, you know, so, yeah. So yeah, I, I always like to uh, joke and, and give him credit because, you know, he is the, you know, I, and I told him when I was on his show, um, he's unique in that he has links to the team and he, oh, yeah, you know, he sure. is at press conferences and, he acts in some ways as kind of our connection as the fan base to the actual club because he does have those connections. So I really respect what he does as well. And but that's my running joke is that, you know, Matt must have not been free today. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm super glad to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the uh, not only the games we've already had, but the ones that are coming up this week. So. I mean, none of us can keep up with Baker. <laughs> right. It's impossible. I have to plug now that we are actually now at officially at press conferences with yes, our we own Ann Maria. Yep. She's there. As the representative of City SC report, yeah. yes. Yeah. So so we're not at Matt Baker level yet, but, <laughs> we're, but we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are, Sunday, February 25th, and City already has two games under the belt. The CONCACAF Champions Cup game against Houston and our season-slash-home opener last night hosting Real Salt Lake. So let's look at both games and talk about how glorious they were, sort of-ish. <laughs> they had moments. We'll, be, we'll begin with Tuesday night, February 20th, which was also my son's 16th birthday, hosting Houston Dynamo for leg one of the two-game series. And uh, it, was a good, it was a good one. Yeah, it was fun. If they're going to get me out there on a, uh, on a work night, on a Tuesday. Yeah, they better win. Car- Carnell went with a 4-2-2-2 on paper anyway. Starting Berkey, of course, Markanich on the left, Parker and Yarrow in the center, Totland getting his first start in City Red on the right, Ostrock and Durkin as the center mids, AZ and Indy on the wings, with AZ flowing into the center a lot to help out on offense, and uh, Sam and Klaus up top. Houston appeared to score first in the first half, but after a long review, it was deemed offside, and we went into the halftime break with a nil-nil score. City had some great chances in that first half, but it wasn't until the 61st minute off a set piece taken by Vasilev that Parker buried it in with his head, and how appropriate that he was the guy. Scored our first game of the season once again, his sixth in all competitions going back to last season. He is I'll now take our of that, please. first goal scorer in uh, MLS, in an MLS game for this team, first goal scorer in a playoff game for this team, and uh, first goal scorer in a... Uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup, right? So yeah. every competition that we get in, Parker has to score first. Seems that way. Houston did answer back in the 72nd minute, which was just really unfortunate. Totland attempted a slide tackle where the ball went off his leg and back to a Houston player. That ball goes anywhere else off his leg, and Houston most likely does not have a chance. I like Totland. Uh, that was just that's an unfortunate. Just yeah, that's just bad luck, exactly. I mean, Totland, I to me has been one of the highlights in oh these first God. two games. I yeah, we'll get more into that. Yeah, he's, he's he is on a yeah. he's on a tear already. If he can do that for an entire season, that yeah. City really looked strong in that second half. A lot of chances, including Sam hitting the crossbar for the second time in the match, and Klaus with a dead-on shot right into basically Clark's body. I tell you, Houston's keeper Steve Clark. Had a heck of a game. He did. Um, he made a few real nice he saves. He made a few great Berkey-class saves that if he didn't, we, we really would have opened uh, this game up. I mean, come on. And then the uh, greatest moment of the night, 
Jose Kojima coming in for Jackson in the 86th minute and puts in the winning goal in the 90th. His very first goal for City, his very first goal in MLS. Kojima signed in the AM and scores the winner in the PM. You really can't script that any better. He'd been on the field less than five minutes, right? Yeah. That's a, that, that, that's a great way to start your career with a, with a new team. I was, I was in shock. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> 99.9% of City's goals, I'm jumping up and down like a madman. But when he scored that, I just my jaw just dropped, and I was just like, what just happened? I was like, did this just really happen? It was I high-fived people around me, but it was, yeah, put the stamp of approval on an amazing night, seriously. It was. It was a lot of fun. And, and going back and watching the replay of it later, because I wanted to be able to see it from different angles than you could see in the stadium, yeah. it, he really had to work to make that one happen. Like, he he had put in the work against the defenders. This was not like a just a one-touch there. He actually had to, he, he had to kind of make it happen himself, and that was impressive. Yeah. So let's go a little deeper here into the game. Um, we'll start off, what did you guys think of the starting 11 and the formation? We'll just start with that, because... I've got things to say. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't overly surprising to me that Tutland got the start. Obviously, um, he's looked phenomenal in preseason, um, you know, and, and that was one of the nice things. Shout out to uh, the team and the club for allowing us to watch that, uh, to watch preseason games um, and even connecting with other clubs who are going to stream it. Um, when I talked to the Houston podcast that I was on, they had, hadn't gotten to watch a single minute of preseason. Uh, they broadcast none of it. And so I tried to ask them, like, well, how are you guys looked? And they're like, we have no idea. You know, we have no clue. Um, so, well, that was us yeah. last season. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and uh, so it was it was nice to be able to kind of get a preview of how people were looking and how people were integrating in the team. And, and he, he looked far, far faster than I thought he was coming over. Um, and you really see it on the field, his ability to get back uh, when he pushes forward. Um, so as far as the formation, I wasn't surprised that he started. Um, obviously, you had a sense that Nielsen and and Edu were not going to play, or at least not sure. going to start because of their green card paperwork and them missing camp. So wasn't surprised by that. Um, I think they kind of kept the Hebert injury a little under wraps. Um, I don't think a lot of people knew about that. Um, so yeah, when I saw Yarrow starting, I was like, hmm, I wonder why Hebert's not starting. But um, maybe they just like Yarrow better for the matchup or, or whatever it was. But um, you know, on the, and then on the left, you know, Marcanic starting, um, I, you know, again, same way Dyer was late to camp because of paperwork. Um, we saw kind of the same thing with Blom last year, the last guy to camp and, and it took a while to kind of get up to speed. So wasn't very surprising. Um, you know, and then I did like the fact I was a little surprised that Durkin started, but I mean, the guy brought tremendous energy. He's a St. Louis type player. Um, yep. and that's not a, not necessarily a city type player. It's a more of a St. Louis type player. This city loves guys who are fiery and work hard and, and um, you know, who are aggressive on the field. And, um, yeah, I think uh, the Durkin start was a little surprising, but, man, he, he played very well to me. Um, and then, you know, you figured it was going to be Sam and Klaus up top, obviously, unless they with, went, went with just one striker. So uh, not a whole lot of surprises to me um, in the formation. Um, you know, they played a lot of four two 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 if that's what you want to call it or a diamond or, you know, however you want to structure yeah. it, you know, it tends to float a little bit during the match, but sure. um, not a whole lot of surprises to me. Were you guys surprised by any I, of the starters? I was a little surprised they didn't rotate the offense a little bit more. I was wondering if we we're going to see a mix of, of guys so you could save some people for Saturday maybe. Um, and they didn't really seem to do that. You know, you dig at Klaus starting and Sam and yeah. Izzy and Indy. 
And I, it would not have shocked me to see one or two of those guys not get the start because they wanted them 100% fresh for, you know, having a game four days later. But, you know, they're playing to win, and I respect that. And I think that, you know, the other guys who didn't start, like you said, were, were guys who were not going to be ready. And so that, you know, the, I think that was a good lineup to run out there. I also think that it being a home game is probably influenced it more than a road game would have. Um, you know, you're at home, you want to get the season off on the right foot. You want to start well. You're not necessarily playing a road game in a, in a home and home aggregate situation where you're just trying to get a road goal to make yourself, you know, make your life easier to set you up for the second game. Um, I think there was a lot of things that maybe influenced it that said, Hey, you know, let's, let's try to get a win. Let's be aggressive. That's let's, how you get you the know, crowd behind you. Yeah. That's you, get help the, you Yeah. Get the season off on the right, right foot. There. Yeah. You know, and, and, and also I think, you know, um, just like any other team, and I'm sure we'll talk, um, you know, Houston a little bit, but, um, they have to decide like, Hey, how much are we really gonna, you know, put into this tournament with it being extra games with it being this early in the season, um, you know, and so, yeah, I was maybe a little surprised that you saw, um, you know, those, some of the guys go 90 that you wouldn't necessarily think that they were going to go 90. Um, but the starting lineup didn't really surprise me all that much. Now, because like you said, with Nilsson not being up to speed and Hebert not being uh fit, we did, that did leave Yarrow starting. And I think that was where we kind of got into some danger. Yarrow did not have a good night no. out there. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was a mismatch that, Houston saw and were just taking advantage of um, if that was just a he didn't match up well with the players that were coming at him or something there but they they definitely saw something that was working and kept uh, and kept at it and he kind of got caught out of position a number of different times there I mean even the times when the goal was partially his fault the one that got called back for offside if would have been it would have been his fault partially um, there were some other scary moments where he just he kept getting caught out of position. They they were taking advantages of mismatches there all night long against him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, great guy, great, pretty good player, really, pretty solid, but not a he good was night. Just, just off, just off, sloppy, and but um, then he came back the second half and he seemed to I don't know Carnell or Berkey Parker somebody <laughs> said hey. He, Here's what he you're did. doing wrong, and he still had and... some. Uh, he still had some minutes there later, and now we'll get to eventually. He he did have to come in again on Saturday, right. um, and I thought had a much more stable oh, yeah, night. He, sure. he looked Agreed. a lot more solid for back sure. there. Yeah. Uh, as far as my opinion here, uh, the only real I was surprised that Ostrock started kind of that central defensive mid position. I mean, we know that he's pretty much been a, a winger um, or a central attacker that, but. To play more of a defensive mid was a little bit shocking to me, um, and he seemed kind of quiet because of it. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, but then I'm not sure what else you do with him well, out there because if you put him out there on the wing, then it either leaves Indy out of position or leaves Jackson not starting. Or I mean, there, there's no right answer there. Yeah, so I, understand I mean that's the why thing. It, it, a healthy body, you had to have put somebody in. Blowman, Leuven. You're kind of saving them for Saturday, or well, we know Leuven's situation, but I don't know. That just kind of kind of threw me off when I. If Leuven's good to go, Ostrak. if Alma's good to go, if some other guys are good to go, Ostrak is not a guy getting yeah. a start there. And then, yeah, the having the two strikers, I was fine with. What I wasn't okay with was them playing full ninety, both of them. It it bothered it, me. It, it really yeah. bothered me because I thought, okay, one of these guys has to come out. 
because we have, you know, four games and 12, 11 days, whatever. You can't be over-stressing these guys. I this mean, is that, not at the beginning of a season. We don't need injuries. Depth. We don't need... We know, have that lack exactly of depth up top, and it's going to come back to bite us fast if yeah, they can't it really is. figure something out. And I, we'll we'll get yeah. into last night's game, but I don't think Thor or Celio is that is that person. No, and <laughs> I think Celio has moments, and I wouldn't mind him seeing it, him get run out of there, but that's not there yet. Yeah, And you could bring in Jackson off the bench at a pure forward position but that's they were already starting him in the game more out on the wing and so you weren't using him that way you know although he would be an option at that he can do that go ahead chris you were yeah so it didn't make a ton of sense to me either after the first game uh that they both played 90 that both sam and class played 90 however now having watched saturday (laughs) And see that, okay, it's only Klaus up top, and he played two-thirds of the game, and then Mm -hmm. Sam came in and played the last third. My expectation would be is that's going to get inverted for Houston. as You would see Sam probably maybe solo up top for 60. Klaus plays the last 30. Um, and now, okay, what you're saying is, you know, we've we've spaced it out a little bit. They're not all going on 90, you know, right off the bat. They've both played two games out of three, yes, basically. you know, and, and so it wouldn't shock me at all if that's what the lineup looks like. Yeah. But the guy you brought up, who I've been kind of the banging of the drum uh, on for since last year, uh, who to me is one of the super important guys who's also not that recognized is all. Um, because I think you're going to see a lot of games this year where – you have a solo striker up top and all underneath um, because he, he makes such a difference. It's a noticeable difference to me anyways when he's on the field because he, his press reads are awesome. He's so good at knowing when to press, when not to, um, and he's a very good offensive distributor. And, you know, going back to plays like that little flick pass he had to Joachini on the, on the one goal that, that Gio scored last year. And, and so I think that's a guy who doesn't get a lot of hype, who doesn't get a lot of, you know, Press. In fact, there was a funny um, Twitter post today of him standing in line at Oldie to get a sandwich, <laughs> and only like one person yep. recognized who he was. Yep. He was just standing in the crowd, right? Yeah. And so it's a guy that not a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, he's a super important <laughs> person for them because he's not a, probably a guy who's going to score you 10 goals, but he's going to be in on a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, and even if he's not right up uh, underneath a single forward, if he's out on the wing with, say, Jackson yeah. underneath Klaus, then it, it does... It, it, it again, it creates guys. It creates things for guys. You're right. That's right. going to set up some things that hopefully should increase our offensive flow because it's the finishing still is not there through these first two games. You know, I, I still I would like to see possessions converted into shots on goal at a better rate than what we're seeing so far, and he's part of that. I think he would help with that. You're right. Yeah, I also think that with the congested middles that we've seen against both the first two games. Um, you know, teams have now had an entire off season and an entire season to see how we attack different types of defenses. Um, and the thing that's been very noticeable to me over the first two games is how congested the middles have been. Yeah, uh, AZ definitely. doesn't have a lot of room to work when he gets the ball, and and you know he has to use his quickness and speed. Is not necessarily the strongest guy in the world to be bodying people out of the way. Um, and so they need to have width, um, which you know when. They don't have necessarily a guy like an Alm who can spread you out a little bit or, you know, Celio hasn't really established that yet, which I would hope that he would. 
um, you, you need to create space. Um, and if teams are just going to compact the middle, you have to be able to beat them on the wings. And so I think Alm is a guy that will certainly, hopefully once they get him back and, and, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion like, hey, that that you know, hernias are not to be messed with. You know, kind of yeah. like groin injuries or hamstring injuries. You, you know? don't bring them back too soon. No, no it's, yeah, you right. can survive without him for a while and 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 get by. You know, we played a large majority of this of the last season without Klaus. You can get by, um, but once he's fully healthy and ready to go, I think that's a guy you're going to see starting a ton, and you know, and, and it's going to give you versatility and flexibility with what you can do with not necessarily having to play Klaus and, and Adeneron together all the time. That's a good point. So speaking of changing around the formation, let's look at last night's home opener slash season opener against Real Salt Lake at City Park. I believe City went with a 4-2-3-1. Berkey, Markanich, Nilsson, Parker, Totlin, Leuven, and Bloom, uh, Thorson, Jackson, Pompeo, and Klaus as the lone striker. Although on the... Uh, on the MLS site, because I was trying to confirm this, uh, they actually had it as City running with two strikers up top with Klaus and Celio, but it was it was hard to tell. Really. That's what Fab Mob was calling it, but no, on, Were the, they on really? the field it was a four-two-three-one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the game, the first half, City looked pretty good. Uh, honestly, I think they looked better in the second half. City looked pretty good. I think uh, some good chances on the build-ups, some nice runs from the wings, but just couldn't capitalize. Parker went down with an injury around the 35th minute and had to be subbed out, so Yarrow comes in. Second half, it seemed that City was on its heels for much of the half. That's the impression I got. Yeah. Uh, got a bit lucky a couple times. <laughs> had some good defending at times that Salt Lake couldn't have could have capitalized on, but didn't, luckily. Uh, and then City made three changes in the 67th minute, bringing in Derwinski, Vasilev, and Adenarin for Jackson, Thorson, and Klaus. And then in the uh, 74th minute, Brial finally did materialize a goal with a nice pass to Arango, who split Norwinski and Yarrow and just made our defenders left scratching their heads. Um, look, Arango's a, a really good player. I mean, yeah. he's one of the top strikers in the Western Conference. You give him just an ounce of space, and he'll show you what he can do. And that's He'd what made he did. a couple of nice plays earlier in the he game. He did to to be threatening a couple of other times already. Uh, yeah, if he, you give him too many chances like that, you he's, know, he's going to score one of them. He's the difference maker for them. If they didn't have him, they they'd be they'd be lost. they'd be a very different team. Yes. Um, and then the 79th minute, Leuven with a pretty lob pass to Sam, who beelined it to almost the top of the box and buried it to draw even. Uh, Durkin came in for Leuven in the 82nd minute, and City came away with a one point, with one point, with a one-all draw. Uh, before we get into this one, here's some stats and points of interest. Sam Adenarin scores the very first goal of City's campaign, and Edu Leuven, of course, with the first assist. Chris Durkin and Thomas Totlin made their regular season debuts for City. Regular season, that is. Uh, we still have yet to see Dyer. City had 13 shots with five on target, 15 fouls called against them with the first yellow card of the season going to Celio. City had zero offside calls against them while RSL had six, which saved our butt a couple times. Um, so yeah, let's start with the same thing. What did you guys think of the lineup? Chris? Uh, yeah, it was not unsurprising. Um, I definitely think it was a 4-2-3-1 um, 
<clears throat> I don't think at any point you could say that Cilio was playing up top. Like, uh, he just wasn't. So uh, it was a 4-2-3-1, which didn't surprise me one bit. I figured there would be uh, a rotation of Sam and Klaus. I didn't know which one was going to get the start, but I, you know, I, I would have been shocked had they both started again because then who are you going to bring in for one or both? I think, you know, when we talk about things like rotation during the year and keeping them fresh, you're going to see a lot of that 4-2-3-1 where one will play and then maybe the other one comes in, vice versa. So I think uh, as far as the rest of it, you know, you also had Totland getting another start, which was great to see. I think he had another very, very, very strong game. Oh, yeah. Um, other than the one miscue, which can happen, you know, where he, he kind of mishit a ball that, that turned into a good chance for them. Uh, I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, Parker going down, obviously, with the injury where he walked off. So it was like he didn't really know what happened. They didn't really um, kind of talk about it later um, after the, the press conference with uh, Carnell. He didn't really go into details on what it was. Um, but as far as the starting lineup, you know, I was I was happy to see uh, Celio get a chance to start um, and really try to make an impact. I figured it would be – was it Celio that started or was it yeah. Thor? Yeah. So, yeah, Celio. And then, uh, you know, um, I figured – that you would probably see Bomb instead of Durkin just because Durkin started in the, the Triple C match. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that there wasn't anything that was a real surprise to me. Um, Joe, was there anybody that really surprised you? There are just some questions about where you're playing, guys, because it, when you're running it like that kind of a formation, it leaves Leuven as kind of the one of the two in that 4-2-3-1 with Leuven and Blom both playing a little bit of a defensive mid um, and Lubin had a pretty quiet night, so it does kind of lead to some questions of do they need to get him up the field a little bit more, get him in a little more of an attacking position where he can do more? Because you saw when he when he did, he, he was able to get the assist. Um, so I, sometimes burying him behind somebody may not always be the best use of him, but that said, most of it's because he was behind Jackson, who Jackson, I think both games, played really well. Um, now the bigger problem against Houston, or I mean against Salt Lake, uh, is they were fouling him a lot. There, there was a lot of hack Jackson going on early in the game, and the refs weren't calling any of it. So I think, it, I mean, I don't want to get too far into talking about whether this was a difference of uh, not having the regular refs or not, because I have some complaints with the regular refs, like a lot of us sometimes, but... The refereeing was a little inconsistent there. Uh, Jackson got mauled on a couple of plays in the first half when St. Louis was getting a lot of good pressure that kind of actually killed a couple of drives. But then there were a couple of very similar-looking plays where basically Real guys went down uh, on really gentle touches, and those fouls got called. So it's a little hard to say, like, well, adjust to how the game's being called when sometimes you breathe on a guy and it's a foul, sometimes... You know, you come in and and crash into him from behind, and it's not. And they were doing that to Jackson. They were, they were trying to body him hard the more he got into the attack. Um, and that it kind of killed some momentum a couple of times. So until they were doing that to him, I think Jackson was playing really good balls. So it, it, they need to find a way to get Leuven and Jackson both involved in the offense more. I think we get better attacks when they're up there than Leuven kind of hanging out behind Jackson and staying back there. What it reminded me of a little bit was, and I don't know if you guys watched the, the preseason game with the Galaxy. Um, I saw a little bit of okay. it. Okay, and the Galaxy, so the broadcast, the streaming broadcast was a Galaxy guy doing the announcing. It wasn't any St. Louis people. 
And the thing he kept talking about, and he was very complimentary of City, which was kind of interesting. He talked a ton about them and not a whole lot about the Galaxy, actually. <laughs> uh, but one of the interesting things about it was he kept talking about how it's a kind of a known thing in the league now that City is willing to take fouls to stop people from driving back up the field on them. They're willing to say, hey, you know, we're going to play on that kind of razor's edge of yellow card or hard foul, but if it stops you from, you know, counterattacking us, we're willing to do it. And it almost seemed like RSL kind of had that mindset of we're not going to let them just run up the field on us and just quickly, you know, counterattack and, and, and move the ball like they want to. We're going to take fouls, and if, yeah, if we get a card or two, okay, we're, we'll deal with it. But, but then if it's yeah, getting said, called yeah. inconsistently, because yeah. you're right, I think that's a way to look at it. They were hoping, well, because especially the first 35 minutes until Parker went down especially, uh, City were pressing harder Yes. Then, then we see them, you know, sometimes this is a very pressing team, and sometimes they back off of that a little bit. Uh, in the first half yesterday, you can tell, playing at home, uh, they were pressing very hard in the first half. And, and yeah, RSL trying to play physical to counter that, and it, and it worked. It kept us off the scoreboard. Yeah, and I also think you're definitely going to see this year, especially when we play at home, that you're going to see teams come in and say, look, we need to weather the first 20 minutes against City. Um, you know, City is, to me, still a team that their style, I don't want to say it depends on, but is very reliant on getting the first goal. If they get the first goal, then the other team has to open up and has to play a little more aggressive, and that leads to more chances for City. And just like we saw last year, when they scored first, their record was outstanding. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're going to have teams come in here, especially when they're playing at home, and say, hey, just weather that press, weather that initial onslaught that they're going to come out of the gate fired up with the crowd being nuts and the energy in the stadium. And if we can just get through the first 20 minutes and then let the game settle down, maybe we frustrate them into making a bad pass or a turnover. And I think that's something that clearly, to me anyways, was RSL strategy. I know? think you're right. And that leads back to what you said earlier, though, of – then you've got to spread the field out more so that yeah. they have a more trouble clogging up those lanes for you. You've got to create some space. Uh, and City were not particularly effective at that. They were not keeping the field very spread to to create room to work with. There was a lot of kind of getting funneled into the middle where that kind of play that you're saying where they're they're just bodying guys to weather that that first. And honestly, it almost it went a good 35 minutes. I think it was when Parker went down is when you really saw the gas go out of what you're talking about yeah. of at, at that point RSL could feel like okay we we did it we got them this far yeah now it's anybody's game for sure and the other thing too and and Carnell just talked about it a little bit in the press conference last night uh, was you know in the first game AZ was kind of all over the place you know he was slotted on the left initially in the lineup but he was you know he wound up on the right side on offense quite a bit he was just kind of roaming all over the place and it was much more structured last night and I don't know if it was because of the formation but Carnell addressed it um, had answered a question basically saying well it wasn't necessarily that we told him to stay put it was more of just the way that they were defending him and well, not letting him kind of roam and they're know? starting him a little more centrally instead of out on the wing when he's out on the wing he's going to have to cut back in a little bit more yeah. it, it's a little bit different of a role but I I think he played really well in both. So, you know, I think if we can get things moving right around him, I, I, I think we're going to continue seeing a lot of minutes from AZ this year because I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing from him, even if it is not yet <clears throat> leading to goals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, all things considered, yeah, I don't think it was a great night for City. Um, as far as the formation, 
I think it was smart to finally go down with that one striker. You have to spread out the minutes with your most effective players. The subs worked. The subs worked. I think Leuven in that post-game press conference summed it up. He said, I don't know if we really found a way to come back in that game because I think, honestly, that we played a really bad game. We just couldn't get the second balls. We couldn't win the second balls. We were always a step late. We couldn't secure the first balls. We lost a lot of balls, had a lot of mistakes. So I think that wasn't a great game. But at the end of the day, it's a good point. It's a good point for us. And you have to be able to still get a result out of that. So I think that's a good point. And we take that and, yeah, we focus on the next game. So, I mean, he summed it up. It, he is, they know. And, they know well, they didn't play great. Because he knows that he's part of that. He he did not have his A game. And I don't know how much of that is not getting a full preseason in. You know, and if he's just really kind of still getting himself up into, into game speed here. And another thing about the – focus on the defenders for a second because I'm a little worried about this. Um, we're looking at two players – possibly three that need to be evaluated probably tomorrow um, with Parker and Yarrow. Yarrow took two boinks to the head, to the noggin, but was able to stay in. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. But it looked it, pretty bad. It but he was rough. also looking like his hamstring was bothering him a bit. Yes, he, kept, he was. He went down he on his right. his hamstring. Yes, uh, but maybe he worked through it. I don't know. Um, it was worrisome. Um, well, I th- you definitely think uh, Michael Wenzel's uh, on standby. That's I, what I, 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 I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's you know available, obviously, on the, the sub roster. Especially yeah. since in that same uh, post-game press conference, Carnell said, Hebert, we're looking for another 10 days yeah. without him. See, so yeah, we're looking at a combo in there that, that does worry me. I do want Hebert back there. I I really like Hebert as that number three back. I, I like him being the first choice, not Yarrow, and then adding that depth. But without him, and we're a better, we're a far better team with Parker on the field than we are with him off. He is the calming force back there. Parker is the one who seems to settle things down for the guys around him more so than any of these other guys when they're on the field. Like I don't think. I, I think when, when Parker is not out there, I think there is less structure to the whole defense. So if if he's not good to go, that that definitely does worry me. And and not to go to DEFCON 2 here, but also, I don't know if you guys saw Nilsson. I mean, it, it could have just been a cramp. Yeah, knows, we we don't actually know at this point. We haven't heard. He kind of pulled up. He had to do some extra stretching, but yeah, he seemed okay. But that's still a worry, too, because he's not in full form either because he missed those weeks you know leaving to get his green card too so yeah yeah we've we've what should be a position of actually a lot of depth currently is not yeah yeah i thought nelson played very very well um and there was a comment made last night um i think on the post game show on y98 where um they said you know it and it might have been dale shilly that that said that he thought when when parker went out it was almost like Nielsen said, oh, okay, now i got to be the calming force. I've got to mm-hmm. be the veteran. I've got to be the one who doesn't necessarily have to defer to Parker. I have to be the, the guy who's kind of running this now. And it almost makes you wonder if, if just his personality is that, oh, well, Tim's the you know established guy here, and, and he's 
letting him kind of take that role and and when he was thrust into it, I thought he played excellently. You know, I, I, I didn't yeah, think there was any point. issues with with Nielsen, and so you know that was a big question. Obviously, at the end of the last year, is how well will those guys play together? Um, and obviously, you don't want to have Parker be out for any kind of extended period of time. But if it's got to be Nielsen as kind of your anchor. You know, if he plays like he does last night, that's fine. You know, but then I went well. with a healthy Yara or a healthy Hebert, uh, and so we're not there right at, at the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting um, to see what Parker's status is. You know, Yaro, I don't know if I've ever seen that, where a guy goes out with a head right. injury, you know, has to go through the protocols, and then literally comes back and 20 seconds later. And credit to him. He was willing to put his body on the line yeah. again. Um, and even Carnell said that in the press conference, which was, you know, it shows how, you know, what type of player he is and the person he is that he was willing to, you know, put his head right back in there again. But then unfortunately he gets another knock. And, and so, yeah, so you wonder what his status will be. Well, and we've got the weird thing where they have actually changed the rules about how fast you can come back in from an injury, uh, from being taken off the field to be evaluated. But then they've delayed that the implementing that new rule because the because refs. Of the refs, the refs yes. um, so yeah. we saw both teams have guys leave the field and then immediately come back on, which is not you're not supposed to be able to do currently yeah, anymore. Correct. Um, so that was uh, an, an interesting wrinkle added in there. Although yeah. I was happy to see the uh, the game clock keep counting. That yes. is the, that's my favorite of the new changes. Oh just, yeah, I pointed just that let out. Let the clock run so you can see the stoppage time. That's great. So, Such an easy, stupid change. With this possible situation at central defense, there there's a uh, whole multitude of different solutions that could come from this. We might see Tuesday. We could see anything from you know one of the other defenders, Jake Nerwinski, or you know maybe even Blom or Watts, somebody playing in that central defensive mode. If we're without Yarrow, Hebert, Parker. Uh, the guys I was sitting next to last night were theorizing uh, during the game when you saw Yarrow take that second hit, like, man, if Yarrow comes off, do you just drop Leuven back? Leuven is physically capable of but playing season, that position. But last season, we saw Blom go into that and position. It, he And he can. I wouldn't that's want to see was, him back there no, for no, no, 90 no. minutes. I, yeah, though, but, I wouldn't either. Right. But if all things go... What do that's you why, do with that? That's yes. why Chris is right. I think a Wenzel loan... Is probably what is very possible. If, if we're actually looking at guys missing a game or two, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. We're gonna have to see him coming in. Yeah. My, my guess is he's standing by his phone <laughs> for sure. Yeah. He's probably yeah. already had to talk to Carnell by yeah. the time we're having this conversation. They they've already yeah they they had to have had because that was you know that during the preseason Wenzel was one of those guys we weren't sure if he was gonna make the city roster because he was with them for most of preseason, if not all of it. You yeah. know he's good to go if they need him. Yeah, exactly. And so we we all await the injury updates to find out. Yeah, and, and it's curious um, to see, like, is that a guy who they would thrust into playing a road game for his first MLS action, you know, in Houston? Might not have, have a choice. Have, yeah, you right. may not have exactly. a choice, right? You know, you and because, um, you know, like we talked about, one of the reasons um, that – I don't think they were all that interested in bringing John Bell back was mm. they were happy with the depth mm-hmm. they had back there. Same with Bartlett. Yeah. Same yeah. with Bartlett. It was like, okay, you know, yes, you're, you're losing two guys that can contribute minutes, but how often are they really going to get to play? Can you use those guys or those slots to upgrade at other positions and still keep your depth? And if you roll into a season where you say, okay, we have Nielsen and Parker and Hebert and Yarrow, you're pretty happy with that. And then all of a sudden, if two or three of those guys are hurt in one game, then yeah, it's a, a challenge for any team. So yep. yeah. 
So other than the game itself, how'd you guys like it? Being back, City Park, first game of the regular season. A little cold. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, but but no, it's a, kind of a mixed bag of the off-field stuff. I think uh, most of us were pretty impressed at the pregame, the... Uh, a nice fan card stunt of uh, mm. holding up, I, I believe it was a Punk's design. Yes, Punk's mm-hmm. did it, yep. Uh, with a round two fight. Yep. Uh, it, it looked great. I saw some of the aerial pictures. was, you know, it definitely... And Beastie know, Boys, Fight for Your Right to Party, playing at the, uh, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, it, it was good stuff. That That's kind of fun things that, that just make it a little extra exciting at the beginning of the game. Yep. Um, I know that I had some of the same complaints I saw from a lot of fans online that being the first regular season of the game game of the year, uh, stadium refs are not refs, uh, stadium ushers a little overzealous. They're yeah. they're a little uh, out of control here in this first game. Um, the supporter section filled up extra fast with it being the first game. A lot of people seemed to be wanting to grab a spot early, and the ushers did not know what to do with that and were freaking out. Uh, demanding to see everybody's tickets no matter how many times they'd watched you walk in and out and had conversations with you you know questioning my kid about why she didn't have her own ticket on her own phone and how why would i show both of them and why didn't she only have a screenshot of it and not have the app downloaded and why didn't i transfer my tickets to to a kid like well i mean man come on people are gonna not that's just craziness just let families walk in the section. You watch somebody walk out, get a beer twenty feet from you, and turn around. Let them back in the section. Well, it was a. I one one of our friends, Tina Marie, who coming in oh, on her yeah, cane, I saw that. Uh, and trying to find a spot in the handicap accessible mm-hmm. section, and the the usher telling her she needed to go away because it was too full, and she's showing them her cane and saying, "I'm looking for a chair, man. What do you What do you want me to go?" And uh, that that's just a. Uh, they need to take a step back here. I think a little bit. I yeah. think it was. I think it was some first game. That's you know. That's what I was gonna say. Kind of stuff. Uh, you know, first game. Yeah, you expect some offness from you it, know new it was staff a lot of, and whatnot. They, there were a lot of fans with a lot. Yeah, of there was, uh, and I, you know, I saw the punks talking about how, you know, they. When you when you do when you're a supporter or anybody really anybody can join to do the march into the stadium and if you're in the supporters section, you're allowed into 119. It's supposed to be ruled, roped off just for the people that do the march because they come in later in the game. Well, people in the march didn't have room, and it wasn't because there were too many people marching. It was because supposedly there were people who did not march that were also in there that that just kind of that caused uh, came a, in and more it, of a problem than we saw last year yeah, yeah a lot of people it wasn't a problem last year uh waiting in the concourse to join up with the marchers to take spots in 119 and in kind of large numbers and kind of throwing off the the flow of the whole section there that that definitely didn't help um and then the the ushers just trying to tell people like well never mind go away there's there's no room in the whole north end which is not how it works when you have north end tickets so that was a it's kind of a, a a lot of things going on there to create a little bit of first game chaos that hopefully the the team works out a little bit you know last tuesday um that tuesday night game was the very first game that i've been to there that uh we did not sit or stand in the supporter section because it was my son's 16th birthday we actually splurged a little bit and we ended up in the what we always refer to as the fancy section 
just the one-time thing. You know, it was a big deal. My son's 16th Your friends birthday. like that, yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my point about this is um, when you go into that section, you get a wristband. And you're allowed in with a wristband. You'd Why think... can't wristbands be implemented to the North Stand? Because you do. For We were in, what was it called? The uh, Together Credit Union Club. So we got uh, like a silver wristband. And then the people in the even fancier seats, the Medetta or whatever, they get gold wristbands. Well, why can't we get wristbands for the North section? It would uh, not totally eliminate, but it would really cut down on these tourists that we call them, people who just kind of happen into the supporter section that don't belong. And also, it makes it a lot easier. So you don't have to get your phone out and show your ticket for a you know a kid who has to prove that they sit in there because they went to the bathroom or got out by themselves. Or if your hands yeah. are full, you just show a wristband and there you go, you're in. And yeah, it's not 100% effective because, you know, some people will probably some swap wristbands or whatever, up, but, but, it, but it will really cut down on that and that might nonsense. be one thing that they could need to consider i i don't know i put it on my to survey see, today <laughs> they do survey the fans uh post game i just i know something needs to get uh, you can't fix their little solve bit. all problems but well, sometimes little last year as the season went on help. it really seemed to be good like i thought we had a pretty good flow going yeah. in and out of the section for the most part for uh yeah for the most part yeah. it makes you wonder that if they were to do some sort of wristband for the the north end, would you then want to, from a logistical standpoint, I'm just thinking of the stadium itself, restrict entry to the north end to the north end entrances? You know? That becomes a whole other complicated yeah. thing because you know. then that messes with the flow in and out of the whole stadium. Yeah. And, yeah. Because, well, the thought process would be, okay, if you have north end tickets, you have to go in oh. one of the north end entrances because be that's where the wristbands wrist are. You know, like... Because otherwise, you're talking about potentially slowing down all of the entrances mm-hmm. because you're figuring out, oh, this guy's yeah. got you know North End tickets, this guy doesn't. This Does guy that become a, a nightmare yeah. of getting people in? So yeah. there's there's a lot of questions. Yeah, there. you know what though, it's a good problem to have because at least it means that our sections are very full. I uh, watched some of the highlights from Columbus, who had a the season that they had last year, yeah. and looking at how much of their stadium was empty last oh. night. Uh, Austin too. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. Austin had an off year, though. I can all—it's still bad. They should be supporting theirs better. But if you're as good as Columbus and people don't bother to show up for your home opener, um, that—that's yeah. a—that's that, a worrying kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I heard people commenting, "Oh, well, we didn't even sell out the, you know, the Triple C match." I'm like, it was a Tuesday night yeah. during the week. We still had over twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, of course, and so. Um, and against a team that we're going to play four times this year. So, like, okay, I get it. Like, And, and to me, it was almost like the, a warm-up for the regular season to start. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, speaking to originally what the kind of question was, which was what was your impressions of, of the home, home opener. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the atmosphere was fantastic, like it always is. Um, yeah. And, and the thing, too, is the city – Front office, um, you know, Matt Seebeck and all those guys, they're pretty responsive about, you know, figuring out is there mm-hmm. problems and how do we address them? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and this is not franchises like, you know, Colorado where they just don't care, honestly, <laughs> about the fans and they don't, yeah. they're not interested in hearing it. Um, so I think some of this stuff that has, has cropped up will probably, you know, get taken care of and, and resolutions found. So, um, you know, now as far as the actual in game stuff or, or, you know, pregame, 
the card stunt, like you said, I thought was really cool. Uh, the punks do a good job of organi- organizing that stuff. Obviously, the, the TIFO they did last year was phenomenal. Um, I was not all that enthralled with the flame towers. Um, that I was mean, some, that was something I saw at Nashville when I went to the away match in Nashville last year and thought was just kind of corny. Yeah, um, I'm fine I, with it. It's, it's I was honestly I was hoping for the lasers yeah. to come back. <laughs> I mean, I like you know, the lasers. The lasers were cool. I was hoping that they were going to do something with the lasers that would have been a little more like, hey, have it project city on the field or something more specific oh. than just lasers flying all over the place. But um, the flame tower thing I thought was like a little forced. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's the it's the team walkout though, and so yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, Kansas City does a similar thing. The the Rams used to have flame towers when the Rams were here. Yeah, but they um, light their field on fire. So you know, you know. that that's as <laughs> Which long as we don't do for. that. Uh, you know. Still one of my all time favorite Edward Jones dumb moments was them <laughs> knocking over a flame tower and lighting the field on fire. So, so. We, we do need to be careful of that <laughs> one. But uh, you know. I, I, I chalk that up with things like the pregame music when they're walking out. That's just kind of part of it. That that's not the real game. It's when the, I get it. when the yeah. fans start chanting is the real game. To I me. get it. The hype video was excellent. The new hype video um, featuring yeah. some people that we know in it. Yeah. You know, uh, getting the big supporters groups in. Yes, there. I thought that was fantastic and very well done and a very good tribute to the supporters groups and and you know having uh, faces from from each of the different supporters groups was that excellent. Was nice. Yeah, yes. I thought that was really well done. Um, and even some of the stuff that's not club related, you know, um, I, I thought the changes to the Lilligan Block Party are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I know you guys talked to Mitch, you know, a couple of episodes ago and all the changes they were making. Um, I've been to both of them so far and, and everything they've done has been f- fantastic. Um, you know, even the new TIFO at Schlafly uh, is, is really, really cool to see and all the stuff they're changing. So the whole atmosphere of it, I think, is just, you know, improving every every week. Yeah, so. Schlafly with the giant banner that I, I didn't see until after the game last night. Uh, didn't make it to that side. And, uh, you know, they, they're decked out for the season. Uh, they are. Mitch told me uh, when we got there in the morning or in the afternoon yesterday that uh, they were there very early in the morning because when they hung it, they ripped it. And oh. so they were up on the roof with sewing machines fixing it. <laughs> no kidding. Yes. Wow. Um, and so... Uh, yes, all it the improvements. Yeah. Oh, it looks fantastic, and uh, you know they're the changes they've made by moving stuff into the the south parking lot and kind of you know putting it there, putting um, tables up with you know beer barrels to to set your drink on and and have food That's to cool. make it a little easier. You know everything they've done is yeah. is fantastic. And Positive changes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, and it's all about figuring out what works, what doesn't, and and I know Schlafly is kind of all in this year on trying to you know make it even bigger and better mm-hmm. and and being responsive and and um to what you know people gave feedback on last year so um overall impressions of of what they've done both in the stadium with the team and then outside is, is overall very positive yeah so. one thing i'll add before we move on uh to the games coming up is you were talking about um front office and how they handle these situations one person for the North stand that we have to acknowledge is Caleb Leon. Um, For sure. He's our, you know, liaison, if you will, kind of handles all situations. And he has been made aware of, of the problems that happened that, that, that first game. So hopefully they all get resolved. Um, Yeah. There's always going to be, we just want the team to continue. Yeah. There's always going to be wrinkles that need to be ironed out, but sure. Yeah. Especially for a, a second year and again team. good problems to have yeah you know, we, we yeah have, people want to be with us you know people we want to have fun we have teams that don't even own their own stadium or control yeah. their own stadium yeah. we have teams that can only get 
5,000 people to bother showing up to their games. Uh, sure. You know, I will take these <clears throat> kind of problems over those kind of problems any day. Yeah, what you don't want, you know, with and it doesn't matter if you're a, a sports team or a business, you know, you, what you don't want is somebody has a bad experience and says, well, I'm never going back, you know, and, and I'm never going to go back to that place because it was miserable. Yeah. But, and, and you're never, you know, you're never going to completely eliminate people who have that attitude on, right. on certain things. But yeah. what you hope for is that, the team says, okay, if this was an, a, an issue or as big of an issue as it seemed like it was, how do we fix it? And yeah. let's fix it. You know, well, and that's all and you can on, ask for. And on yeah. balance still, even if you get some bad ushers or a, uh, or a bad line at one of the stands, uh, the, your overall fan experience at a game at City is, is always going to – you can have more fun than not. Yes. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, the survey came out. I had, I had my couple issues that I put in. I put uh, – one, one thing that bothers me, I won't go too far into it because we've already spent enough time on this, uh, the Northwest Gate. It drives me crazy. There's, you know, I don't know if you guys march or not, but if you don't, when you line up, there's there's two entrances going into those gates. Um, but for some reason, people only form one line to the right. And so when people try to Coming go to the, the one on the right. left, people just look at you like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, why don't you form two lines? So I just simply suggested, why don't you have staff just out there directing? Like, let's get two lines going, people. There's that no reason why easier. one line needs to be going all the way past the Modetta. Am I pronouncing that right? Moneta. Is it Moneta? Moneta? It's the Moneta pitch. Club. My bad. Yeah. Moneta pitch. Um, there's no reason why one single line needs to be going that far. Whereas on the plaza lines? side, on the other side, it seems to take care of itself a little easier. Yeah, I've been around the stadium. All yeah. No yeah. other entrance in the stadium is like that for no. some reason it's just the northwest yeah why i don't get, in fact i got into an argument last night with a guy because i did what i did all last season nobody's in that left land lane except for a couple people so i get right behind them well a guy last night called me out on it he's like hey what are you doing well i'm like same thing i did line. all last season i said come on over <laughs> and yep. he's like no this is the line and i was like but it's not it's, but there's, there's two a lot it's it's the herd mentality. It is. You know, it's, it's, oh, well, yeah. there's a Well, line, they're doing so it, so I guess that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, you're right. All it would take is one of the people standing there watching the, the, the entrance. Yes. Go go wave some people. Like, or hey, exactly. or a, a stand-up sign. Exactly. Yes. And last season, lanes, that would be really you know, easy. Yeah, yes. so. Last season, it wasn't a easy, problem. Nobody said tweak. anything. Yeah. I, we would just get in, and I would just say, I'm a Luligan season ticket holder. This is me. People would be like, cool. And that was it. We'll All right, let's let's talk about the two games coming up. Um yeah, Champions Cup leg two game on Tuesday in Houston. Ugly late start. Yeah. yeah, and then back home to play New York City FC on Saturday. Tuesday night, City at Houston. City leads the series with their 2-1 win last Tuesday. Though City has the advantage going on going in with Houston scoring an away goal, it does give Houston a chance to advance. Easiest way to look at this is City advances if they draw with Houston or win. The only caveat is if Houston wins 2-1, then the game will actually go to extra time. Yeah, they play regular uh, two, 230s and then PKs if it's still... Yeah, uh, if they go into extra time, it'll be because they're they're even on away goals. So. Right, so aggregate score, then away goals, and then if that's even, then you play the extra time. Yeah. So just City just, just need to win. win. Yeah, yeah that, that's all it really comes down to, just, just win. As I mentioned before, City has some big questions to answer. Who do they start? Who do they rest? Does Carnell save guys like Leuven and Klaus for this one? Bring them on if needed later in the game? 
questions of, uh, you know, big... can I stay up late enough to watch <laughs> a 9.30 start on a Tuesday between two central uh, time really? zone teams at a 9.30? Sure it, it is. It is, yes. Because Philadelphia oh. play at 7.15. They got the uh, they're oh. an hour ahead of us on the East Coast, so they play the earlier time slot. And I guess uh, I overlooked that. And City yeah. have the late yes, slot. I did. So, uh yeah, you, you hope that they've got enough healthy guys who are ready to go the the minutes that we need. If City advances, or rather, when when City yeah, advances, we're confident in that. That'll move them to the round of sixteen phase of the Concacaf Champions Cup, and will set us up for a two leg series home and away against the Columbus Crew with their uh, Charlie Brown jerseys. <laughs> yeah, the Crew, of course, were automatically placed in the round of sixteen due to their winning the MLS Cup last season. That'll be a tough one, yeah. as we know what happened last season when we played them in the League's Cup. But at the same time, I think this will be a little different. Carnell and company will, uh, I think, you know, approach us in a, as a bigger deal than we did with uh, the League's Cup. Yeah, different situation. A little bit more seriousness. Also, that was, uh, and I phrased it this way before, that was the reverse Cincinnati game. So if you remember when Cincinnati came here, they sat through a long rain delay. They get on the field and look like they had no interest at all in being in St. Louis for any more than yeah. they had to be. Um, we got to an early start and they were done. Um, we go to Columbus in League's Cup. We sit through a long rain delay and look completely uninterested in being there when the game started. <laughs> right. right. So like I yeah, that. yeah. So it's it's a unique. Both of those you know both those games were unique last year, but especially the Columbus one. You know if City does advance. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, at that point, um, you know, what Columbus is, you know, what they're going or what their intentions are towards the tournament. And I think, you know, as we talk about Houston, um, it's going to be very interesting to me to see what Houston's thought process is now. Yeah. How hard are they going to be playing? Yeah. Going in down a goal, uh, in an aggregate game like this. Yeah. Are they bringing out their A lineup and running it out hard or are they, Focusing on the league season. Yeah. I mean, especially, it is a home game for them. So. Especially considering the injury situation. Yeah. You know, you're missing Quinones. You're missing your best Herrera. your best player slash most important player. Um, you know, and I said it on the Houston podcast I did. You know, he, Herrera wasn't the MVP last year, but there's nobody who's more important to their team than oh, he yeah. is. Like, he is central sure. to everything that yeah. they do. Um, and when they played up here and we beat them, you know, early in the season last year and he didn't he didn't start – and then he came in. They were a night and day different team, you know. And when we went down there and, and tied them, and we're lucky to get that tie, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, he's so important. Well, okay, they're out. They're missing him. Um, Canonis is out for the year. Ferrer got hurt against us, you know, on Tuesday. So it's like they're already in a a, a weakened position due to injuries. And you wonder if yes, they're going to be at home. They're going to have to try to win a game, but. On the flip side, do you really, if you're Houston, want to even further stretch your depth by winning? And now you got to play two more games. You know, yeah, like yeah, you wonder. Point. Yeah, you wonder if they're really going to go for it. So, yeah, I think you've got the right idea of, of what's going on with uh, with Houston as as banged up as they are. You know, we're worried about depth on defense, but they're missing like more important components to their game. I I, I think you're right. So I I am kind of hoping that they are not going all in on this. I'm hoping that they're kind of playing wait and see. Uh, I think if I think if that game had finished 1-1 the other night in St. Louis, it would be a very different thing. I think Houston would take it a lot more seriously, would know that, you know, with that road goal, all they would need is, you know, another draw. Uh, it would be a, a much easier road for them. I, I don't think that they go 100%. I think that they, you know... It, 
I, I think we were talking before off my good. Maybe if they go up a goal early, uh, you know, they, they try, but I, I, I just can't imagine that they're going to push that hard knowing that they, that they're down. I think that second goal of cities changed the complexion of the whole home and away here. And so I, I really, I think this is our game to lose. If it's, if it's within, if winning it is within your grasp, then I think you're like, Hey, we've already gotten this far. We've already played, you know, X number of games to get to this point. But at this point, what they're looking at is, okay, if we were to go all in and beat St. Louis, we then have you've got Columbus. Now we have to play two more games for sure against Columbus. That's a good point. Um, you know, against a team that is, you know, by any stretch uh, better than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, nobody, I don't think it's just stay. a good club. Yeah. 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 And so um, if you have that many injury problems, um, you know, are they going to roll over on Tuesday? Absolutely not. It's a home game. Yeah. They're not going to just say, hey, we're going to roll out this, you know, kind of terrible lineup and not care. But I think if City is able to get a goal early, I think that whole situation just be kind of comes, you know, maybe self-determining, which is just, hey, we, we're now going to have to, you know, not only would we have to win this game, but now City's got a road goal. Yep. Now we're going to have to play even more. Like, I just don't see why that, it, that's it, a, it would be worth it for them. No, that that's point. a fair point. That's a yeah. fair point. All right, so we uh, we predicting this one now, or we wait until we talk about let's, the other game? Let's wait. Okay. I want to I talk about this New York City FC game um, because I think it's interesting too. Uh, kind of opposite of Houston's situation because here we are. We're on the we'll be on the back leg of playing. You know, this will be our fourth game in eleven days. It's kind of almost to that point where we're going to be kind of hobbling towards the finish line, if you will, even though it's just the beginning of the season. So let's go ahead and talk about New York City FC home game, Saturday, March 2nd. New York City FC lost their season opener at Charlotte 1-0. Last season, they missed the playoffs, finishing 11th with 9 wins, 14 draws and 11 losses, and a negative 4 goal differential. They made some key additions this offseason, bringing in a... Bringing in a Serbian youth international, Jovan Mjotovic, a striker who was linked to Manchester City, which, you know, equals with uh, their link to Man City, a likely move there if he's successful. They also landed 19-year-old Argentinian youth international, Augustin Ojeda. The winger comes to New York with a $7.5 million price tag. And then they decided that wasn't enough and brought in a 24-year-old attacking midfielder, Hannes Wolf from Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga. They weren't done. They also brought in Andres Perea from Philadelphia Union and another Serbian, this time a 26-year-old defender. Um, I won't even attempt to say his name. So anyway, this looks to be a solid team this season that should be a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. Probably still not Eastern Conference winners, but they're going to be in contention for sure. Um, But... I'm not looking forward to this one. I have a bad feeling about it, honestly. I, like I said, hobbling in that towards the finish line, even though it's the beginning of the season. That's what it feels like. Well, uh, I, I think that it really depends on who's available for the game. That's that's all I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I think that from a NYCFC perspective, it's better to play these teams like an NYCFC, like even potentially Colorado, and some of these teams that have made giant 
player moves, like massive amounts of guys coming in. It's better to see those teams early uh, because it takes time. Uh, you can't just, you know, you can get a bunch of talent, but throwing them on the field together and expecting that they're all going to know where they, you know, each other are and have those yeah. relationships, those, building those relationships on the field takes time. Mm-hmm. And so I'd much rather play them now, yes, even though it is in a, a you know, a t- compressed window of playing all these games. I'd rather see them now than I would halfway through the season oh, because yeah. they're bringing in some talented players, mm-hmm. but it takes time to for those guys to yeah. figure out how to play together. That's uh, a very good point. I mean, yeah. Colorado is supposed to be much improved this year, and they just got smoked by Portland. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it it, it does. The, definitely rather play them the second week of the season than, than way into it, and rather play them at home than, than away on their weird field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. the – at least we have the home advantage – um, that's a good way to look at it for sure. Uh, but I'm still not getting my hopes up. Uh, you know, the, the intriguing thing, one of the things I was really in, in, intrigued by this year was how city would play against, um, some of these teams, one that they haven't seen before. Um, and it's still crazy to me to think that we're going to be done with the second season at the end of this year. And there will still be teams we haven't played mm-hmm. yet. Like how sure. that yeah, works. I don't know. Like weird. it's a weird league. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, and I'm not just talking about San Diego. I'm talking about actual teams that are currently sure. in the league. Yeah. We still haven't played. Yeah. Um, but it's also, you know, to me, like when you just talk about like, just for example, like the West. Okay. There's a lot of teams that went out and, and made what you would think would be improvements to their teams. But I don't think that the ceiling of the West got that much higher, but the floor did. Right, so the teams that were bad or had bad seasons last year, by and large, went out and probably got better. And so, you know, City beat up on a lot of not great teams last year. And if you think about the better teams we played against the West, aka LAFC and Seattle, Seattle beat us pretty soundly. Not, no pun intended. Um, that was not intentional. Um, they beat us pretty soundly twice. Completely dominated the second game here through the end of the season. Um, and then LAFC, you know, we played them pretty evenly for the game out there, and then they got a couple late goals, you know, and and yeah. but I, I was pretty happy. It with was the a close play, yeah. And then we kind of went toe to toe with them. They they probably played slightly better out here than we did, but uh, we got that draw. So if you think about the two other best teams in the West last year, you know, we we essentially got one point out of four games. Um, and when you talk about the teams in the East, you know. Yes, we pounded Cincinnati, but that was a unique situation with the rain delay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really interested this year on how they do against these better teams. And, and like I said, when you have somebody that's coming in like an NYCFC who doesn't have any familiarity about what's it like to play here, um, you know, and again, I'm not saying this is the hardest place in the world to play, but it is a loud crowd. It's a, you know, on top of you. It's a team that presumably is going to be pressing them and, and forcing mistakes, hopefully. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it speaks to um, if we can rattle teams early, especially, you know, think about the guys you just named, 19-year-old, 22-year-old. These are younger mm-hmm. guys. And so this isn't a team of veterans coming in here that's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've dealt with it. I've played in Europe or I've played in big stadiums in South America or whatever. These are younger kids, and they might be talented, but, you know, we have, we have a home field advantage for a reason. And so I think that will be something that they need to take advantage of for sure. Guys coming in from Europe who aren't ready for travel of MLS yet, who all of a sudden are flying, you know, 1500 miles, you know, that's not, if you've been playing in the Serbian league, that's going to feel different. It's going to be a weird week for you, uh, you know, things like that. So it is, there's a lot of adjustments coming to MLS for guys who've played in other leagues. We were talking in the uh, last episode with the guys from River City Ramble 
and we all agreed that just based on improvements, signings, you know, exits, et cetera, what the rosters look like this year. And it'll be a lot like last year where the Western Conference will be tight, but only within four or five teams. But the Eastern Conference is really, not to say that they're better. I mean, Columbus did win, but they just... They're top-heavy. The, the better are. teams they're, are better. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, would, the, the I would sexy, say it's more sp- the, spread out, too. The I, sexy pick for to win it all this year that a lot of people are picking is Orlando. That's what you I was going to say. Yep. That's a, yep, that's what I picked. You know, and, and, you know, but you also have the Shield winners in that group. You have the Cup Cincinnati, winner in that Atlanta. group. Yeah, you have an Atlanta team that... You know, still um, has, in my opinion, probably the best player in the league in, in Tiago Amada, or, you know, one of the best players in the league. Um, DC United, the now yeah. that they have Stroud, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're going to win did you guys, something. He did you guys scored. see? Yes, yeah. his goal, his almost goal last night would have been phenomenal. if he We could do an entire episode on, yes. on Stroud, so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll we let could. that one go. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I, the East is, is, is to me... it's. It's a bit. It's better. It, yeah. it is yeah. slightly. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. It, there, it is there's more better. better teams in the East. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's... you have a lot more questions in the West, and you have more questions about the teams that necessarily aren't that didn't finish at the top of the West last year. You know, yeah. like okay, what's you know what are some of these teams going to be like, and with the changes that they've made, and so yeah, it, you know, um, and and also you know, like I said, with, with the NYCFC thing, um, I'm excited to see a new team come in here. Obviously sure. that's cool. I, you know, I was a big fan of the, uh, the kit change they made this year. I think their new kit is fantastic with the two sided orange and blue. I think it's, it's great. Um, but also, yes, they, they really went out and said, you know, we need to improve our talent, which a lot of teams have. Um, but like I said, I, I think seeing them early is going to make a difference. Yeah. I, w- I, yeah, I will say, I wouldn't be surprised if an Eastern conference team wins the MLS cup again this season. It wouldn't shock me. But no, no, I, I, I'd I think it'll it, be interesting. I'd put it 50 50. I was going to say, they have a 50% <laughs> chance. So, yeah, going out on a limb there. So, uh, let's do predictions then. So, Houston, Tuesday night, final score. What do we say? I think we let our guest go first. Yeah, go for it, Chris. 2 uh, 1, City. Okay. Um, I think uh, City gets an early goal. Um, and then, in my mind, I think that they wind up maybe going up 2 0. Um, and then Houston maybe pulls one back, but with some sort of late spurt or last gas kind of kind of effort. But I can see that. Um, yeah, I think I think two one. Um, you know, maybe two zero if Houston just pulls the plug. You know, but uh, I figured, hey, you know, two one, give them, give him one just for being at home. So that would that would be my pick was two one. I could see that. Steve will let you go next because uh, I, I have a tendency to go first, and then and a lot of times we score. pick we pick the same score. So go for it. I'm going. One all in this one. One one. Uh, you're, you're not. You're. It's gonna sound like I'm making it up, but that was actually gonna be my prediction. Too. I knew because I. Th- I think both teams are gonna take their foot off I do the too. gas a little bit. I, I do think too. they're both gonna get a goal, but I, I don't think anybody's gonna press for that second one. I think a one one draw still means we advance. So I. I that's what I see happening. I. I, I think that's a. So one one two one. Where we all see us advancing. Uh, I do, yeah. No, right. Nobody's envisioning I, a barn burner of a game. No, I, yeah, well, Houston just doesn't have the offensive power to yeah. do that, right. you know. And, and well, and we don't right now either. We're not yeah. efficient enough on offense. Not to, yet. We're not clicking yet. I, I, I hope it comes, but it's, it's not happening yet. Yeah. 
it's a lot to ask of a team that is traditionally defensive-minded first, which is Houston, yeah. to say, oh, yeah, you need to start – you need to immediately start blowing the doors off people when you're missing three or four key offensive <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's like, a that's a – How do you do that? Yeah, yeah, tall order. Yeah. Okay, and for New York City FC, what are we uh, – what are we predicting that game? Chris, what are you saying? Uh, 1-1. I think another tie. Um, I think they get a goal. Um, I don't know if, again, being on tired legs, you know, um, obviously there is a lift. Um, being at home, being in front of the crowd, it mm-hmm. gives you energy, but that energy is hard to sustain for 90 minutes. Um, and so I, I, I think 1-1 again. Joke. I'm gonna get. Uh, I, I think we get a little luckier in that one and go two one. I, oh. I think you're right, but uh, hopefully the home crowd makes enough of a difference and we'll be due for that home win. And uh, you know, we we sneak out a second one. I'm still looking at it a bit negatively, hobbling towards that early season finish line. I'm going two two. Okay. Um, you know, it'll be disappointing in a way to get two home games in a row at the beginning of the season with draws, but. You know, it's better than the loss. So. It wouldn't shock me. It, it would. It, it would be weird, uh, considering yeah. we had all of five ties yeah. last year and, and, you know, five draws yeah. last year. Let's just not get five draws in a row to yeah, uh, that start would be the season. Would, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just the, you know, and what I'm hopeful of is that, you know, for those of us, you guys included, who <clears> are <throat> diehards, right, we understand it's a long season. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we understand it's it's the MLS season is long. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously getting out to a great start helps like we did last year. And, and that was what kind of carried us throughout the season. Um, but, and I've said it many other times, many other places, you don't need to win your conference to win the cup. And, and so, um, you know, they need to continually show, you know, growth and, and, you know, cohesiveness on the field. And so if the results aren't there in the first two or three games, it's not the end of the world. Um, I don't think anybody any reasonable soccer fan was like, oh, yeah, they're going to come back out and start 5-0 and and they're going to blow everybody away. No, I mean, this was always going to be, okay, let's see what, uh, you know, how teams adapt to playing them and how then they yeah. counter that. And so, yeah, I think, you know, um, now they're a known quantity, whereas they weren't last year. And so yeah. there's a book on them um, and they have to kind of rewrite how they, they attack teams that know how to play against them. So, um, you know, and so, yeah, so it'll be really interesting the, the first – five to ten matches really seeing you know what kind of start they get off to and and if they're you know through third fourth fifth through ten i'm perfectly that, happy with right that. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. they're right in the mix yeah yeah it it doesn't make me happy to think we can only get draws out of these two games but until we're out of these first two weeks and things start really clicking and we have time to rest a little bit between games this is the type of team i think we are right now I, a team that's going to scrap for points not always but just for now scrap for points and then hopefully get the best by, results uh, we can hopefully we hit mid-season stride yes with, you know as the schedule yeah you know eases off us a little yeah you want, you want a good example of that it's lafc last year you know, yeah, they had all those extra games, and they, they didn't struggled. Start, early. Yeah, they didn't yeah. start well at all. And they end up in the final. What's, what's wrong with them? Um, you know, and, they, and it was just schedule congestion. Yeah, it really it's... turns out to be all that was wrong with them. They really were as good as that everybody thought they were going to be. Yeah. Uh, once they could, you know, yeah, manage their minutes. And even though Joe and I on the on the last 
episode disagreed a little bit about this, I still stand by it. Screw the League's Cup. Just just surrender. We don't need that. We don't Yeah, it would be I nice get to get out of it, but who cares? The it's, only the only tricky part about that is having both games here. Yeah. You're playing both League's Cup games in St. Louis. And so it's awfully hard to say we're just not going to care about that's, it. Yeah. In front of our home crowd. If that's, if they were going on the road uh, for both or even split you know, like last year was where they played one here and right, one there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and against honestly, you know, probably the best team they could have played out of the Mexican league, that's not a strong side. Yeah. Well, uh, it's one of the and worst. And the MLS Cup yeah. winner. And, and, you know, <laughs> we'll revisit well, no, I'm talking this. about this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So this year you're talking it's... about Dallas and you're talking about, you know, a team in, in Mexico that's a bottom table oh, team. Yeah. And you're gonna play both of them at home. Yeah, the expectations are going to be you got to win those. It's going to be different. We'll we'll see where we're at in the. But standings. I still don't see, see us rolling like out. That. Yeah, I still don't ro- see us rolling out our A-line absolute for a rotating. squad for. I, I I see a heavy rotation for. I, I think this could be a very different question. They're a very different conversation depending on our record going into that. So we'll we'll know in a few months. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's that's all I've got. Two games down, uh, a whole lot to go. Many, many more to go. Many, many more. A lot of season left. Well, hey, this was fun, Chris. It was a blast, yeah. Thanks so much, man. Um, Hope we can do it again soon, honestly. Yeah, anytime, man. You're always welcome here. Yep, glad you're here. No, I I appreciate the support you guys have given, not just me, but the the website and... and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with you guys, as, you know, for on some cool things coming up, and uh, appreciate you being in the charity thing. That's a, a very meaningful for me, yeah. and and the whole point of that was just to get people connected and get everybody's names out there. And and we love what you're doing, and people and, should uh, go check that out on the website. Yeah, yeah I, happy I, you yeah. included us. So yeah, no, I'm I'm psyched, and and uh, you know, just like I said, just trying to get uh, the community together and connect creators, and and I think the 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 more that we get, everybody kind of collaborating it just makes everybody you know uh, gets everybody's opinions out there and and helps you know the the fans and everybody who's interested um you know get more exposure to the club and get insights that they wouldn't normally have and i think it's great so i appreciate you guys having me very much of course and um listeners stay tuned for part two where we talk about dogs and beer that was uh (laughs) all of the off mic conversation we have (laughs) lots to to say about that too yeah seriously though uh thanks man this was no of course it was awesome Thank you, listeners. Remember to follow us on our socials and STL Soccer News socials as well. Uh, email us with any questions or comments, cityscreport at gmail.com. Remember to support our sponsor, Bluewood Brewing. Until next time, and as always, go city. Go city. Go city. Go city.